All right, welcome back to another episode of Trident True. And we have not a special guest. We have a co-host, uh, my brother, Mitch. We're going to chop it up about the Mariners. Really, we're going to turn our group chat into our podcast, which is one of my favorite things. So uh, I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you so much uh, for all of those who have subscribed to the Trident True Substack. Uh, it's been awesome to see the outpouring of support that we've had. Um, the paid memberships are now live, so you get access to our Twitter community uh, that will be a private Twitter community. You get access to posts and we do an exclusive podcast uh, once a month for all paid subscribers. Uh, and you can be involved in our subscriber chat as well. So if you haven't downloaded Substack, do so now. Uh, be involved. We also have a free version of Trident True that you can subscribe to. So uh, thank you to all of those who have already done it. And uh, yeah, let's dive in. So Mitch, welcome to the show. I know, uh, you know, we're excited to do this together because oh, we really yeah. haven't done. I mean, You've edited podcasts and done things like that before, but you haven't really been on a podcast. Like, yeah, this is like your debut, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on like the, uh, the back end of doing all that shit and doing the, uh, doing all the editing, but yeah, never actually been on one. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. How does it feel not to get invited to all these? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, was just, podcast, but... I think I was like too ugly or something. They wouldn't like tell me why. <laughs> Yeah, that that had to be it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna dive into some Mariners talk today. Um, you know, Mitch and I have you know a, a great Mariners story because I think uh, the Mariners have really brought our family together. Our grandma has been a diehard Mariners fan all her life, and so um, she was one of those people that never watched them on TV. She was always a radio only, and so Mitch and I got to fall in love with Dave Niehaus pretty early on, uh, and then Rick Riz, and you know now I feel like I can't even watch the Mariners without muting it and turning on the radio in some aspects. So um, it's crazy how that works. But Mitch, give me your uh, give me your favorite little memory, I guess, of, you know, growing up with the Mariners. I know that, you know, it's been 20 years, really all of your life. Almost. We've just been bad. So there's not very many to choose from here. But uh, give me a give me a favorite memory or maybe a favorite player that uh, you've grown up watching uh, in your lifetime. Uh, so first I would say like one of the craziest memories I have is, uh, like walking on Safeco field. We're just like going around the warning track. Um, I, I couldn't have been like older than like three or four, but I still like remember it pretty well. Uh, they were just throwing to each other, hanging out, all the ball players out there and a ball gets by one of the players and Arthur Rhodes comes up to me, grabs the ball, hands it to me. And like later we get him to sign it. It was actually, it was just one of the coolest things I've like, <laughs> Dude, yeah, that, what that, was, that was fantastic. What is lost on that story. So for one, it was little league day. So growing up around the Pacific Northwest, we were able to do little league day. The, what gets lost in that story is that ball got by, it almost smoked somebody. <laughs> like there was little kids around the warning track. Like these are, major league baseball players that are playing catch yeah. and it gets by Arthur Rhodes and like it almost absolutely smokes somebody, mm-hmm. but uh, you were able to some poor guy. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Arthur Rose is able to give you the ball and we'll, we're able to eventually sign. So awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, one of, one of my favorite memories. Cause I, of course, like I'm a little bit older than you are. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my little brother coming home with a baseball signed while I'm just <laughs> sitting there was like a, a bittersweet moment. Cause I'm like, man, yeah. like screw it, man. Like that, that sucks. Dude, uh, but also, at the same um, time, like any Mariners memorabilia at that point was just, uh, something oh, it's, that it's we, we cherished. It's like, a- yeah. As like a young fan, you you don't really know who the players are yet. Like when you're that young, so like any baseball player coming up to you with uh, something like that is like just amazing. But yeah, I, I think also, that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, also, like, I I feel like we're kind of we're like really homegrown Mariners fans. Like I I just remember coming home from like school every day, like going to Grandma and Grandpa's. Nana would it's like four p.m. Nana would already have the. Uh, the Mariners game on the radio, like the pregame show and all that. I'd help her like cook dinner. Like it was all that stuff is like, is, uh, is like so cool that we just got to like have that every single day. I know growing up in the Northwest too, like games started late. Like they started at like seven. And mm-hmm. so I remember, you know, pleading to stay up uh, unless it was a road trip. Like we were always trying to like plead to literally listen <laughs> to the last innings, or else we didn't know what happened because yeah, we but- were watching some of the, or listening to some of the, even the East coast teams. I remember uh, rooting for the Mets a lot just because I could see them at 4 PM. Oh I yeah. I remember that. And like, you know, the Mariners obviously played a little bit later, but uh, one of my favorite stories about Arthur Rhodes is that later on, like we cheered for Arthur Rhodes because we're like, oh, that's our guy now. Yeah. <laughs> later on, Arthur Rhodes, I think he's playing for the A's at this point. Um, he might have been playing for Baltimore. He bounced around a little bit um, mm-hmm. as a lefty specialist, but there was a game where he had huge diamond earrings. And I remember a batter basically like stepping out of the box and being like, is this legal like is this <laughs> happening right now and the umpire like threw arthur rose like refused to take his earrings out and the umpire like threw him out of the game like, dude, like so dude, if, you, if you won't take out these earrings like we have to eject you like the batter cannot see right now and arthur <laughs> rose was like no i'm not taking a while he got ejected he got a freaking rang so Man, pretty just, uh love pretty, to see it Pretty funny. He's, yeah, he's a baller. So, you know, don't hate that. So, um, all right, we're going to get into some breaking topics. Uh, Mitch and I are going to be with you guys basically every Tuesday. That's how, that's going to be our normal cadence. Um, and we're going to bring a podcast to you guys every Tuesday. We want you guys to chime in on Mondays. We're going to do a mailbag, um, on Twitter. So we'll have a Twitter thread that you guys can, uh, go crazy with, ask us questions, ask us anything that's going on. Um, and if you want our thoughts on, uh, those pieces, but, um, some break news honestly great great week to really start the podcast with you mitch because we have aj pollock now and we traded for a reliever that you know nobody seems to be like that high on but mm-hmm. uh could be the next paul seawald as as long as um i as far as i can see it you know there's a lot of upside potential um oh, yeah. with both of the trades that one of the trades that we made and you know jerry i'm so used to saying trade because jerry's like afraid of the free agent market but um aj pollock's no no slouch like he hits lefties really well oh yeah i mean aj pollock is is disgusting versus lefties he like he him and sam haggerty are gonna really run a train on him uh (laughs) this year like that that shit is gonna be so fun to watch um but also like the mariners developing uh, pitching talent is like a story as old as time at this point. Um, over the last, like, I don't know, uh, over DePoto's like 
tenure at uh in Seattle like man they've just they've killed it really yeah yeah it's it's cool cuz i read a article i actually was listening to the podcast and jerry mentioned it a few times um on their on a mariners podcast and he was talking about like they have like a pitching analyst team literally mm-hmm. just like and then they have like i forget what they're called they're called something like crazy like literally pitch creators like cr- pitch creator specialists or something like that and literally they they were the ones that told kirby hey you should probably throw a two seam fastball and he eventually started throwing it and now you see kirby's two seam fastball it's like one of the most wicked two seam fastballs in the league that i can mm-hmm. ever really remember i mean uh the break that he has on on right-handed hitters is just disgusting so yeah. it literally acts like a 96 mile an hour change up on the hands like that's <laughs> that's a tough tough scene so um yeah, yeah really excited for AJ Pollock uh AJ Pollock actually has a little bit of power you know he can add a little bit of mm-hmm. power to the lineup um again we're getting a guy it kind of feels like that can't play defense all that well either so we're we're like stuck with this outfield where outfield where our young guys are really good in the outfield but you know, they are struggling hitting. You got Taylor Trammell, you've got Kelnick, um, yeah. Julio, you know, is solid in center field, but all the rest of the guys that we have, you know, in the lineup that are potential uh, replacements or righty lefty matchup guys struggle in the outfield. So it's going to be interesting to see service mix and match come, you know, August, September, when we potentially have the dog days and people are taking days off and people are, you know, potentially on the IL, um, Service has his work cut out for him because these guys aren't all that dynamic. Even Teo Oscar Hernandez isn't known for being, you know, the guy in the outfield. You're, you know, like the Blue Jays mm-hmm. moved him around a bunch because he struggled a little bit. So um, it's not that I'm not going to put the Jesse Winker label on Hernandez or any <laughs> one of these guys, but God Ooh. forbid we get into a situation where it's like we literally can't put this guy in the outfield. I, I mean, we kind of got there with. Kellenic later on in the year when you know he was struggling and if Kellenic can be a solid player if he can show an above I would say like 225 average like we can we can absolutely play him his defense is good enough for sure but you know you just you can't play a player like that who's batting 160 you know with with stellar defense it's just not gonna work but um I really do like the depth coming out uh from Depoto because it's exactly what the Mariners have excelled at for the last few years um I mean you have you have Haggerty and more uh pinch hitting and uh pinch running which is just invaluable they're they are some of the best in the league to do it Haggerty Agreed. being of course like an incredible lefty hitter um and yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they're going to deal with righties. Like, what are they going to do with that uh, right field spot? Like, is is Kellenic going to be out there, like, uh, come debut day? You know, like, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up a good point because, like, all these acquisitions and all these trades and things like that, like, Haggerty and Moore, it feels like nobody talks about those two. And mm-hmm. they've been, I mean, their wins above replacement, we just talked about it pre-show, Haggerty having a 2.2 war uh, is something as a utility and guy that's coming off the bench. Yeah, bats, yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah, crazy. That, that's not that's not light work by, by any means. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll flip a little bit of uh, the show today, but I mean, this really ties into what we're talking about with depth and we talk about depth 
<laughs> we have to talk about the pitching depth. I mean, we yeah. have people fighting for the fifth starter spot uh, with Marco flexing. People want to bring up Tommy Malone. People forget that justice Sheffield just exists. So <laughs> like that fifth starter spot is up for grabs, but I mean, the thing to me and I'll kick it off here is like, I don't really care if Marco and Marco or Flexen start the season. It doesn't really matter to me, to be completely honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would prefer Flexen. I think he's a little bit more uh, dynamic. Marco's velocity has really hurt him in the past couple of years. Um, But that being said, like we're going to need both of them anyway. So like people freaking out, it's like, Oh, Marco's better than Flexen. Flexen's better than Marco. Like come August, September, October, like we're going to need both of them to get in the playoffs and to make a playoff run. Um, so whoever starts over who to begin the season, I mean the other, and I will, I am going to bet you that both of them have over a hundred innings on the season in October. I, I, I would bet you both of them have over 100 innings, meaning that both of them, whether one has 200 and the other has 100, it doesn't really matter, but they're going to rack up innings uh, with spot starts. I mean, look at where we were in September of this year. Like we were, we were throwing some like some clunkers out there for, oh, yeah. you know, we were doing like back to back reliever days and like, and that's, that's when like, our rotation was healthy this year. Imagine if one of them, God forbid, goes down, you know, Luis Castillo has to be shut down for a month or let's say, you know, Kirby is hitting a a big innings limit or something like that. Like Marco and Flexen, I feel like in my, in my belief, like they're going to have to uh, pitch some big innings. uh, And that's okay. Like, (laughs) I don't know how to tell Mariners fans, but like, it's all right if we have two guys that can actually fill up innings that aren't going to, you know, post a six, seven ERA. That's going to be yeah, okay. or a sub three or something like that. I mean, yeah, they're they're really just uh, solid, average MLB players. Like Flexen, of course, is. Uh, I mean, pitching versus lefties, he, he's rocking like a two four ERA, and righties, he's rocking a a five zero. So, yeah. uh, I mean, that's a little different. I think with Flexen, what they tried to do at the end of the season is pitch him in situations where he could really shine against lefties like that. And because uh, it was just kind of mind boggling at first to like just completely take him out of the rotation. You just wonder why they would do something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, having a six, uh, having six starting pitchers who are uh, mostly well above average. Like uh, the starting four are just like uh, mind-bogglingly incredible. I don't think we've had a pitching staff this stacked in uh, years, like twenty years, something like that. Like maybe ever. Like they, these people are, um, or these pitchers are incredible. And then you have two average pitchers just rounding it out at the end. Can't really hate it. Um, I think we'll be seeing flexing though in the reliever to maybe two innings to three innings pitcher, like uh, say somebody gets rocked, you know, uh, they he just pitches like five through seven to take it home. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm guessing we'll see Marco as a more consistent uh, starting pitcher uh, at the number five spot. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I think that everybody wants to say like, oh, well, neither of, them would, neither of them would, you know, start in a playoff game or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, we got 162 games to worry about first. <laughs> like, 
just because we made the playoffs last year, like doesn't mean that this year is a shoe in that we're going to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. especially with how wild teams are spending. And it seems like Jerry is, uh, you know, under a budget restriction that, you know, is, is only keen to, you know, Mariners fans. So it's, it's tough, but like, if you look at the lineup up and down, like we've, I mean, this is a poverty franchise franchise lineup. Like it just is like, (laughs) We, we basically paid our young star, um, you know, we paid him, you know, a couple million dollars a year until 2025 where it escalates to like this huge contract. But like, mm-hmm. this is what small market teams do. Although, you know, one could argue that the Seattle is no small market that we used to be able to argue. So it's just funny. I think that um, Jerry doesn't, we talked about this uh, in our group chat, but like, Jerry has to be, you know, top 10, if not top five GM uh, in the entire league, just with what he's been able to do with basically nothing. I mean, look Absolutely. at look how many free agents we've signed. Look at the trades that we've made. Like these are strategic things that are bolstering our lineup the best he can do without paying $35 million for Lindor, $35 million for Carlos Correa, $25 million to Dansby Swanson. And all of those guys have, you know, injury risks. They have, you know, uh, Dansby Swanson. I, I mean, like, I hate the, I hate, I keep knocking them. This is like the second podcast I've knocked Dansby Swanson and I actually really <laughs> like him. But like, Dansby Swanson struggles from the plate from time to time. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, it's hard to justify a $25 million contract on a guy who, you know, potentially is, is going to be one that uh, JP Crawford at a very much lower cost could beat out, if not play better defensively and have, you know, an up year this year and beat out Dansby Swanson for average and OBP. So that's kind of the yeah, way I see absolutely. it as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, hope that jp crawford was you know just on a down year i'm i'm hoping he he bounces back a little bit uh i just really like especially defensively uh batting uh 245 is fine wherever he's at at the plate is is going to be all right but um especially defensively it'd be nice to have you know uh our gold glove back yeah, absolutely. Uh, another guy that I think that uh, once we get closer to the season, we'll do some like projections or do some forecasting for this year, just uh, giving our like comeback player of the year, MVP of this year, uh, pitcher of the year. And so we'll give out those awards before the season. It will be, you know, the tried and true preseason awards. Uh, but until then, you know, these guys definitely are on our radar. Uh, Ty mm-hmm. France is one guy for me who it feels like this year, if he plays well, is a bounce back year. It just didn't feel like at the last half of the season after he sustained that wrist injury, I believe. I think it was a wrist injury um, mm-hmm. that he just wasn't wasn't the same guy. So I think yeah. that this year, fully healthy, we'll see a better Ty France. I mean, he was damn near a liability in the playoffs at one point <laughs> where I was like, oh, every time he was up, like I, you know, I never felt this about France, but every time he was up in the playoffs, I was like, oh gosh, here we go again. Uh, well, everybody wanted Cal, Cal Raleigh to be up pretty much every at <laughs> so, Oh my God, man. <laughs> the clutch man himself, dude. Yeah. The big, big dumper, the big dumper himself, dude. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to hard to argue. All right, so we're gonna uh, talk about a spotlight uh, on the Mariners this year of a guy who you know maybe going under the radar who we want to spotlight. We'll do a spotlight each week um, and why we think they're primed for a breakout season, uh, and then we're gonna talk about a player in the division that we think uh, is going to be a a scary sight to see. Um, 
with going through the Angels and the Rangers lineup, they've definitely made a couple of changes to their lineups that uh, potentially are going to be a little bit more scary than I initially thought. The Rangers not not as like shocking because they're just blatantly spending whatever they can uh, for their roster. It seems like, but um, yeah, there's definitely some, and you know, we can't forget the Houston Astros coming off world series. So uh, there's definitely some players out there that we're not going to want to see in a lineup. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. So first off, let's talk about uh, the spotlight. So Mitch, give me your spotlight player of uh, 2022 or 2023. Oh, man, for me, it's gotta be Andres Munoz. That that guy is a fantastic reliever. Um, he posted, I think, the eighth uh, most WAR out of relievers in the MLB last year. Um, you know, he had like a, I believe it was a two four ERA. Um, really, just an incredible year from Andres Munoz. If you look at his, uh, if you look at his stats, his velocity is incredible. Um, he's in the ninetieth percentile for for pitching and. And all of these statistics, and not only that, but the kid is 23, born in 1999. And I think I read something where if uh, if a player or if a prospect is well below league average in age, his status as a prospect is is uh, way higher. So he's, he's far less uh, likely to be a bust. And obviously, Andres Munoz already killing it. In the MLB at 23, uh, he really just gives me Edwin Diaz vibes. I, he pitches incredibly fast. His slider is incredible. I just I want to see more of it next year. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's going to be a, a top five reliever. I love Andres Munoz. I even I love the San Diego trade even more now um, oh, because yeah. he was he was kind of the one that was like, uh, uh, what's going to happen with this guy, right? Because yeah, Taylor sure. Trammell was. Taylor Trammell actually was like the highlight of the package, right? When it, we first traded, it was like, we need Taylor Trammell. Then it, and then France, we figured out, oh my gosh, we actually have like a star in Thai France. And then Andres Munoz comes along and he's thrown one Oh two. And we're like, oh my God, like we got this guy. Like, this is happening. So um, I'm excited. Uh, Mitch, I'm putting yeah. you on the spot, but give me a, give me a walkout song uh, that's, that matches Edwin Diaz for Andres Munoz. I need a, a walkout song, dude. There's yeah, I knew- nothing that matches Edwin Diaz's walkout song. I know the trumpets. The trumpets just crush. I would say he would have to do like he would have to copy Mariano Rivera or like do something ACDC. I think, uh, think he so? could be really he could be really corny and like stay hometown and do like a Macklemore. Um, but I think, uh, dude, I think see- I. Think- like uh, I I'd love to see like, like more that. Zoomer, like uh, like a yeah. LMFAO or uh, <laughs> like I don't know some some pitbull or some shit just walking out swagging. Oh, dude. I know Ryan Divish, who covers the Mariners for the Seattle Times, absolutely hates Pitbull. And so he tweets every time the PA system is playing Pitbull in T-Mobile. So it's like one of my favorite bits on the internet is when That's Pitbull funny. is playing. And they'll literally like Pitbull will play in the like uh, the stadium camera. They'll literally like look up to the press box. <laughs> at it's like incredible, incredible work awesome. by the Mariners team. Um, 
All right, so we got Andres Munoz, who I think is going to have a stellar year as well. Um, but my guy is a really obvious one, uh, and we're going to save the like crazy takes for later. But uh, my guy is George Kirby. I think that George Kirby has the potential. I mean, we were arguing on Twitter a couple weeks ago that Kirby could overtake Luis Castillo as the number one in the starting rotation. I think that might be a stretch for him because he just came off a stellar rookie year. It's okay if he's not Luis Castillo quite yet, uh, but I still think he only threw 130 innings last year, which I love to see. It's not like we extended him beyond his means in 2023 or 2022. Um, so this year I expect him to have 150, 170 innings plus, um, he struck out over 130 people last year as well. So he's striking out well over one person in inning, which for a starting pitcher is incredibly good. Um, and it seems like his pitches are just getting nastier and nastier. So, you know, you see that two seam fastball come about later in the year. You see his velocity get up to 96, 97 as the game goes on. He has the mechanics and I don't want, I don't want to put him in a box here, but like he has Justin Verlander mechanics. Like that's just who I see when I see George Kirby throw. So we'll see how he does this year. But I, you know, there's always that sophomore slump, like cloud that could potentially loom over a player with him and Julio. Really, they're both in that same boat of, you know, uh, later in the season, Julio really struggled when they started throwing more sliders at him. So uh, we'll see how George Kirby uh, reacts in 2023. But I think he's just set up for a prime year. I think that being behind Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, potentially even behind Gilbert, maybe if coming out of spring training, Gilbert pitches really well. If he's sitting in like a four slot, he's going to win a lot of games. So I think, uh, watch out for George Kirby to potentially be a, you know, 15 to 18 game winner. Uh, if he goes absolutely bananas, you know, I don't want to say he's a 20 game winner with how, um, things work with rotations nowadays, but look for Kirby to win 15 to 18 games and not be shocked at all. I think that he could definitely do that, especially if he's in that three or four slot behind Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray. So um, that is my spotlight of the week is George Kirby. Uh, I, I really think that he's uh he's fun to watch and he's electric man. Like in the playoffs, he was just like when he came out uh, against the blue Jays in that final inning to clinch the series. I mean, for a rookie to go out and do that, you've got to have some confidence. Like you got to have some crazy balls on you to be able oh, to be absolutely. like, yeah, you know, I'm, the, I'm that guy. Like I'm going to go out the first playoff series. The Mariners have won since 2001 and I'm going to go out and do it. Like I'm going to shove. And he did. He, I mean, incredible job by uh, George Kirby. And I hope that we see the progression of him um, down the road here. So yeah. transition. I, over, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I think it was just really telling in uh, in the postseason. In those high leverage situations, you have a guy like George Kirby who's, you know, insanely young being put in this uh, situation, and he just murdered them. He, he just <laughs> killed it, man. He was he was incredible. So, uh, yeah, I, that'll be really exciting to see. Yeah, I hope that we get to see George Kirby pitch in the playoffs again. I just think that he's one of those guys that if T-Mobile is packed and he's he's pumping gas, like he's one of those guys that like feels the crowd. And, yeah, and, right you know, Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray are a little bit more stoic. Uh, Castillo is a little bit more emotional, but you know th- they're those guys that you know are a, you know one to two ticks higher than they normally are with that crowd going crazy, mm-hmm. uh, and they just bring electric stuff. So seeing them in T-Mobile throwing uh, more than they did this year, that we only got one game at T-Mobile this year in the playoffs, but uh, I hope to see T-Mobile 
packed with with guys who uh, guys and girls that can cheer on the team. So, uh, all right, moving on to the uh, spotlight, uh, or no, the not even a spotlight, but you know, a player. Uh, give me a player that you are afraid of, let's say, in the division right now, in the AL West, uh, that we don't want to see, or uh, whether it's in the regular season or the playoffs. Man, I'd be uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say Kyle Tucker. That dude is uh, – he was a menace in the playoffs. And I, you know, I didn't even really notice him in the regular season. I knew he was flying – semi under the radar i think he's been talked about at this point as being so underrated that he might be rated <laughs> really so, rated uh, yeah 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 he's people are people are talking about him now um just a consistently really good player um but what i noticed most was when we really just needed a hit when we really needed a run in the playoffs it was kyle tucker that was shutting it down he was just lights out in the outfield um he was really consistent at the plate uh, I just don't really see any other player. I mean, especially at like 25, man, uh, I don't see any other player being as uh, as consistent and as scary as him. Uh, even looking at somebody like, because uh, when, when you think of, you know, just Mariners flashbacks of uh, nightmare shit, you, you think of <laughs> the, the home run versus Robbie Ray. But oh, yeah. uh, Jordan was... Um, you know, he, he wasn't really there for most Dude, of the can playoffs. I, can I ask you something? Is does ever is everyone shitting on Robbie Ray so much that he might be underrated this year? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. He's underrated or he's overrated for me. I just I can't see Robbie Ray the the same anymore after that. I'm just I'm I'm completely <laughs> mind fucked. I went on a I went on a Robbie Ray rampage. Like after, <laughs> after he gave up that home run, I was like, this guy is dead to me. Like he's Dude, like like on Twitter he, I was like, I will never talk about Robbie Robbie Ray. But now I like hate him so much that I'm almost like, wow, I think I might just like be totally dismissing how good he might be yeah. this year. I mean he's uh, he just struggled against righties last year. He was he was really good against lefties. If he brings it back, I mean the Mariners have uh, the best starting four in the MLB. I don't care. Fight me on it. Like they are going to be incredible. Yeah, I agree. And then, like again, I'll go back to uh, Jerry Depoto being one of the best GMs in the league. Like look at what we're paying these guys compared to say the Mets. The Mets have an argument of like look at our rotation with Scherzer and Verlander. Mm-hmm. I think Bassett's coming back. Like um, Carrasco might come back as well. But like, look at their rotate. I mean, their rotation literally costs a hundred million dollar plus. You know, this year or close to it. Yeah. I don't even think the Mariners' um, starting rotation cracks forty million. Like maybe forty five million if we're lucky. Um, but Robbie Ray is like the bulk of that at like twenty twenty one AAV. Um, but besides that, I mean. George Kirby's on Luis his rookie Castillo deal as well, but yeah, Luis Castillo's on his on his. Uh, you know, I, I think it, we. I would love to see a Luis Castillo like extension. Obviously, um, it's one of those things that uh, it, we're probably going to wait too late. Um, yeah, actually, so I I thought that I I might have missed this, but um, yeah, we we already did sign Luis Castillo yeah, yeah, to the, the twenty one nice. mil. Five year for for some reason I had like a shadow of a doubt. I was like, oh man, it'd be probably pretty nice to sign him to an extension. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's nice. So that was not long after we traded for him either. 
Yeah, which is we traded for him on the twenty sixth, and on the twenty, no twenty. Let's see, we traded for him literally like the twenty second, the twenty fourth. We had an extension for him, so. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah. I actually, I, now I remember this contract being floated because he has like a, uh, he has like a, con- uh, because we signed him to a five year, $108 million deal. Uh, he has a thing in his contract where it's like, if he gets Tommy John surgery, like we'll pay him like $5 million that year, not the 20 that he's owed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, which I, I don't think I've ever seen. A, I mean, it probably exists, but I've never seen it publicized where uh, a team openly says like, hey, if you get Tommy John surgery, like we'll do this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that exists in some pitchers contracts, especially ones that have already had Tommy John surgery. Hey, if you get a second, like we're going to you know reduce your salary to this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the Robbie Ray, contract. Yeah, 20, 21 mil. You got Luis Castillo making about 21 mil as well. Um, and then you've got George Kirby, Gilbert, uh, and Marco or Flexen, who are all, you know, uh, under 10 AAV guys. So, you know, that, that to me is, you know, talk about a money ball lineup or a money ball starting rotation. Like, that's it. That's it right there. Like, you have your two guys that are like medium paid. I wouldn't say Luis Castillo broke the bank by any means, but he has to be one of the better pitchers in the league, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're asking me if I want, like, Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray or Justin Verlander, that's tough, but I'd still go Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray. Yeah, but, like, when you start throwing numbers around, it's like, well, obviously I would want Scherzer and Verlander, but then you're, like, 42 million and 44 million versus 21 and 21. It's like, I can get, I can go get another guy. Or I can get (laughs) two more guys for the, you know, it's like, that that starts like coming coming into focus. So um yeah, I, I like Justin Tucker as uh the uh the the scariest person uh or one of the scarier individuals. Gordon Alvarez is such an obvious one. I think mm-hmm. one guy that's yeah. not being talked about enough because people are like, Oh, he's coming off injury, he doesn't play, he hasn't played. I think the Mets fan base has shit on Jacob deGrom so much and like shamed him for leaving so hard that people just forgot how good Jacob deGrom was. So like we're, I'm, I'm like sitting here going through Jacob deGrom's stats and I'm like, this guy is a perennial Cy Young contender every mm-hmm. single year. If he's healthy, when he is healthy, they are an immediate playoff contender. Now with Seager and Simeon, I mean, you've got this like almost completed lineup uh, that they have. Uh, and I, I think that they're, they're going to do just fine. I mean, the Rangers to me are like that fringe third team. I don't think that they got better than the Mariners this year. I think that the angels and the Rangers are going to fight for that four spot. Um, yep. The nice thing for everybody is we have the Oakland A's in our division that we can all just beat the shit out of all year. So that's nice. Uh, but I think that uh, I think Jacob DeGrom has to be my like scary individual that, you know, like like Verlander last year, we had to face Verlander seven times. That sucks. Like that's insane. If we if, saw if him we're so lucky. many times that we just in the playoffs came around, we saw him one too many. He got robbed. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Like there was, there was two. There's two times I can remember that Verlander got touched up by the M's, and one of them, Kelnick hit like a lead off, uh, inning leading off home run. That I was like. 
Uh, this is this is over for Verlander. <laughs> like if, Not, yeah. if Kelnick is like if Kelnick is touching them all on Verlander right now, um, and that was when he was scuffling. It was like he was like mm-hmm. one for eighteen with a bomb off Verlander. I was like, uh oh, Verlander may not have it tonight. No, he's so, he's done. Take him out. <laughs> yeah. So Degrom, uh, you know, if we're lucky, we'll face him three, four times. But you know, mm-hmm. he could be in that Verlander area where we face him five I, to seven times a year. So I could absolutely see him being just a complete Mariners killer. Degrom is, uh, I mean, when he's healthy, he is just disgusting. Like, at, <laughs> possibly the best player in baseball, or the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Um, it's, yeah, I agree. It's, I also, uh, I also, what's frustrating about Degrom is his off speed. Like you said, is so good. Uh, in the Mariners, Verlander was scary, but Verlander relied on his fastball a lot. Like he's still throwing yeah. ninety eight to one hundred miles an hour. Um, the Grom insane. has disgusting, cha- a disgusting changeup with a good fastball as well. So mm-hmm. I think uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But I think that that Texas Ranger, um, that Texas Ranger starting rotation is starting to come together and and look uh, a little bit intimidating. Uh, you know, it, previous years you look at it and you'd be like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, this I mean, year. The A's, Angels, and Rangers just fighting to see who can suck the most. But you know, it's, <laughs> I also it's like, good to have uh, some competition. I think. Yeah, an underrated guy that um, the Rangers actually got was Nathan Avaldi. I actually really like that pickup from uh, the Red Sox. He he pitches. Um, he throws a lot of strikes. He pitches within the zone. Uh, he's going to fill up uh, the zone and pitch a lot of innings for you. So you know Nathan Avaldi is one of those guys that could potentially be one of one person that I don't want to see during the season. Uh, on top of you know Martin Perez is like one of the more underrated uh, pitchers in all of baseball. Martin Perez like mm-hmm. barely gets talked about. And every time he plays the Mariners, he just shoves it. So <laughs> I, I, I think that that's a guy that like, if you go to Grom Perez one, two, it's not going to be a great series for you. Like it's going to be yeah. a tough series, you know? So we'll see if they can stay healthy. I still think that the Rangers, their depth is so poor still um, that they have a lot to work on there, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how, it goes throughout the year and see if they can stay healthy enough um, to to really be a competitive ball club. I think that they remind me a lot of last year's Angels, to be completely honest. So um, the Angels maybe didn't a get little better, all- but yeah, uh, yeah, but they're relying on relying and paying stars. I mean, you can see how yeah. well that worked out, you know. Oh yeah. So man. again, we'll we'll see how it plays out. The baseball has a funny way of working itself out in 162 mm-hmm. games, so. We'll we'll see if the Rangers and the Angels have enough juice to to make it. I think that the Mariners have set them up with their pitching, especially, uh, to really make a run. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for our topics. Do you have uh, any other Mariners things that you wanted to go over? Any other uh, Mariners topics that you got? Uh, you know, honestly, I just kind of want to say that I'm really excited for this season. I what I want more than anything is for the AL West to be competitive. And it feels like every team made strides, minus the A's, of course, minus the A's. <laughs> Unfortunately, That's just a given. the little bro A's are just, they're, they're still down there. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see every team making strides to be better. It's nice to see everyone really trying to compete with the Astros. I'd really like to see um, a close race, at least between the Mariners and Astros for the division this year. Um, 
and maybe for Depoto to make some moves pre-trade deadline to make that happen. Yeah, I like that. And I, I also think that it's not above us to shame the Oakland A's and the Baltimore Orioles for having $25 million and $30 million respectively on payroll for 2023. I think that that is you're, completely— You're joking. That's completely despicable. I mean, that's like— you're literally not even trying to be a franchise. The Mariners are I'm, – I'm like frustrated at the Mariners for being 18th in the league with a $100 million payroll. I can't even imagine if they had one-fourth of that and they tried to go into the season telling the fans that they should show up to the game and watch an Oakland A game. Like, Dude, that's th- like the cost some to point. keep the lights on. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to see how franchises get like bought and transferred to different cities, like just look at the Oakland A's playbook that they yeah. are, you know, sending out to the world. So, and Baltimore is so not, not that far behind. Yeah. Well, you should feel bad for one player, and that's, uh, uh is a Rauschman? The, yeah. The, the catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. He, he was a good rookie last year, Andy Rauschman. Like he was good oh, yeah, catcher yeah. last year. Of course. You should feel really bad for that guy because he's going to be on a dog shit team for not just this year, but like very many years to come. So uh that's a that's a kid that is almost like a generational talent, very young. Yeah. And uh we still have a lot to see from him, but being on these bottom three teams, the Athletics, Orioles, and Rays, and the Rays have the third least amount of payroll at $31 million this year. Um, Dude, yeah, just dis- like I can, only, I can only explain it as just despicable. Like that's like not, not just not trying to be competitive, but that is just one of those teams or multiple teams that you look at and you're just like, this is why, like when people say baseball is a dying sport, like it, we can thank the Rays, the uh, Orioles and, and the Ace. Like that's yeah, just, for not making it, it like, competitive in the slightest. Like uh, there absolutely should be a minimum uh, salary. hundred uh, percent. I mean, getting, I don't care about a salary cap. I think the like baseball is a rich yeah. man's game. Like you, if you're going to be a baseball owner, uh, shout out John Stanton, you cheap bitch. But like the, if you're going to be a baseball owner, you have to have money. Uh, and if you don't have money, like sell the team, but there's other people mm-hmm. that have money. I mean, uh, for a long time, Jeff Bezos was like trying to buy a baseball team and he's probably going to buy end up buying the nationals. So, you know, the nationals are, a a top, a bottom 10 payroll team, like at 64 million this year, uh, expect, you know, uh, a considerable investment by Jeff Bezos. Uh, if he yeah, buys a, like the nationals, it's not like these teams aren't making money either. Like these teams are making plenty. The funniest part is usually like usually public, uh, publicly traded companies own uh, these baseball teams, or at least the people involved in the team in ownership have publicly traded companies. So you can see what their net worth is or the revenue that's coming in. And Mm -hmm. you can even see they'll, they'll report their revenue for the year. You can just do the simple math by TV contracts and the TV contracts more than pay for all of this that is happening. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, again, despicable behavior. <laughs> like this is like <laughs> having three teams under $31 million committed for a year is like Rob Manfred should be screaming from the mountaintops at winter meetings and like making sure that teams are competitive and, you know, we're just not seeing it. And so, I don't know, dude, it's um, just paper. So, <laughs> just well, apparently, uh, Apparently, when you uh, are in New York and you own the Mets, I mean, money literally is just paper. Dude, you, has, even if Correa doesn't sign, 
their payroll yeah. is still going to be three hundred million dollars. It's insane. They are even thinking about signing Correa. Their luxury tax <laughs> is like is is astronomical at this point. They're paying more in luxury yeah. tax than like the bottom four teams in the MLB. Like this I, is why Steve Cohen. This is why Steve Cohen's the goat. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh Uncle Stevie. Uncle Stevie is playing fantasy baseball mm-hmm. in real life, and he's beating all of you at his game. And so it's I, even I funnier that it. he paid that much money and they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. So <laughs> <laughs> that's way funnier to me than like, you know, anything else is these teams that are paying four hundred million dollars for their team and not being able to beat out like, you know, uh St. Louis Cardinal that are paying literally four times less than all of the rest yeah. of the teams. And I mean, Cardinals are a good, good example of you can be in the middle of the pack and be good. You can have a $114 million salary payroll and have Paul Goldschmidt and Arenado and these players. So, and I, I, yeah, would have liked I think, to see I the, think the Mariners are trying to gear towards that too. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see the guardians uh, do more of this off season because of, you know, the, the players that they had and, um, it seemed like they were really in a prime spot to make those kinds of moves. Um, but uh, just yeah. by the way, have teams ever gotten 10 X before by another team? I don't, has that ever happened? There is no, I, I don't have any memory of, you know, there's been doublings for sure. Like the, the Yankee <laughs> tripling have, have yeah. doubled up, but like, I don't know if I've ever seen this. I don't know Literally if I've ever 10X. seen an X payroll. Like I've even I've even seen like five times when the Yankees were spend two fifty on like Texera, A Rod, you know, Jason Job. Sure, like yeah. that was like five five six X maybe, but a ten X again, like despicable. Like there's no way that the Oakland A's owners, even the Baltimore Orioles owners, can go to owners meetings and like do it with a straight face. Like you don't own. Yeah, I mean they, they've been like this for too long, man. That's just got to be so embarrassing. Like thirty million dollars. I mean, you basically own a single A organization in Spokane. You know, like I'm, I'm sure the Spokane Indians are literally worth like thirty million dollars. Like that's what you <laughs> that's what you can buy. Like go buy a single A team in Pensacola, Florida, and you know have fun with that team. But like this is the big boy leagues. This is yeah. the Stevie Cohen league where, you know, you're printing money in your backyard. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, I hope that I, I really hope that there starts to become parody because there has to be a minimum of sorts. There doesn't have to be, uh, I don't, I don't believe in a salary cap, but I do believe like they have to figure out a way to incentivize these guys. Like you should lose draft picks. Like you should do, there should be some punishment, to not having the salaries that you should be having. I mean, if you don't get to a hundred million dollars a year, like you should lose your first round pick or like something like that, like to force them to be competitive in, in that way. I mean, finding them clearly isn't going to work because they don't have yeah. money apparently. So like, you're just going to find, find the poor. So, I mean, yeah. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for uh try and true Mitch uh, thoughts on your first podcast F- thoughts on our first try and true episode together. It's exciting. I like this. This is dope. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is a, 
Hey, this is basically us on the phone or in the group chat anyway. So, uh, it's fun. It's going to be fun to do with you guys. And, uh, we're excited to bring you guys along with this and with us and, uh, our Twitter community. Uh, we're going to basically focus on, on Twitter specifically and have a sub stack that is popping. And we're going to have a weekly newsletter, uh, for free for everybody. So make sure that you're subscribed to that. Uh, we'll have the Tuesday podcast and then, uh, we'll do a couple of different posts and we'll do Twitter spaces every week as well. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you guys next week. Guy riding.